When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she is so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside? She still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Kansas City? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Kansas City. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar. Up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT. More than a gas station. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. Today's episode features Tim Bean, a talent agent from Japan's Legends. Unfortunately, there's a bit of a hiccup with his audio, which has caused a bit of background noise. It's nothing serious, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. On with the show. Welcome to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. This is episode 31, and I am Joe. I am joined with host Paul. Hello. And special guest, Mr. Tim Bean. Hello. Alex, our other podcast host, unfortunately is having technical issues, so he is fighting with the evil Skynet virus at the moment. Anyways, um, let's get down to it. So we always start off every podcast with the same diabolical pun that you created, Paul. So I'm going to ask it to you first. What have Kaiju been up to? Okay, I have been watching a few films on Amazon Prime. They weren't the best films, um, but they were tolerable. Uh, I don't know if you've seen either. I've seen Triassic World and Jurassic Galaxy. So obviously both going for the Jurassic World, Jurassic Park vibe. The CGI isn't quite the same level, but the practical effects were actually quite good. If if you when you see a screenshot with one of the modeled dinosaurs, it's 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 good. You know, when you we see advertised, I was like, oh, actually that looks quite good. The writing, on the other hand, isn't fantastic as you might expect. I think they were both sci-fi channel films. Um, in Jurassic World, they're they're growing dinosaurs with human organs so they can then be used for body transplants. I know it makes no sense, does it? it but they, you can do that with like a pig. Yeah, I know. But the, the whole point of the film is that we're going to breed dinosaurs with human body organs. I, I, okay, so do, they, do just... they go like, pause, pause. Do they go like a deep blue sea route where the dinosaurs are smarter as a side effect? Yes, it is. It is no, exactly Lord. like Deep Blue Sea, but they're, so they're in an underground like military bunker, and they've been using the human hormones, and they're getting smarter, and they've learned to escape. Wait, no, 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 no! I beg your pardon. We're giving dinosaurs human hormones. Yes. What kind of hormones are we giving these poor dinosaurs? <laughs> Ones that give them big, big brains. This sounds diabolical. <laughs> we've we've cloned these dinosaurs, stripped them of all their rights, and now that now we're giving them hormone treatments against their will. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It would be more interesting to see like PETA swoop in at the end of that film than just you know, like get that. I feel like that's <laughs> the way that you salvage that plot. Then, Paul, where do you find these films? Obviously, Amazon, but where? Do- I don't know. I'm, I'm, what are you searching for, man? It must see my search history, or I must have typed in Godzilla, and then I it says like similar films, and I suppose it just throws at me any sort of monster dinosaur film. Lord. And I saw okay. those titles, um, and I thought, why not? Um, yeah. Um, Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? I have made good on my threat. I have taken apart, taken out the Criterion Collection. I have watched... Oh, well done. Yep, I have, I've done it. I've watched three of the films. I watched the uh, 1963 American edit of King Kong vs. Godzilla. 
I watched the Japanese version of that same film, which I have never seen before. And then because it was there in front of me, I watched The Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is one of my favorite kaiju films. It is fantastic. Um, I will say uh, it's rather interesting. It deserves a real podcast in and of itself. But um, the King Kong versus Godzilla, I was the most interested because that's the hardest one for English speakers really to get a hold of. The Japanese version. Um, Tim, you are probably in the same boat as me. In the United States, you heard of this unicorn that existed where there was a Japanese version of mm-hmm. this film. The great yeah, myth. That Godzilla won at the end. And I am, yes. I am sorry to give this spoiler to anybody who's been living under an internet rock. It ends exactly the same way. It ends exactly – well, with, <laughs> with one notable difference – the audio of Godzilla and Kong's roars appears at the, you know, it happens at the end. Uh, okay. That was the big thing that apparently started this myth off. You hear Godzilla's roar at the end. It's like, ooh, he's not dead. And then some bitter Godzilla fan probably was like, well, you know, Kong could have never done it at the end anyway. So he was running away. Anyways, that was the divide that happened in my household. But I watched them. Um, this sounds like blasphemy, I suppose, but I'm just going to chuck this one up to nostalgia and my love of the creature from the Black Lagoon, whose soundtrack heavily features in the American edit. Mm-hmm. I'm partial to the American version. Um, I have nothing against the Japanese version, but watching them side by side, I enjoyed the American version more. And I, I have to say, it's probably blasphemy for me to say that, but that was a significant part of my growing up experience. I did enjoy that um, American film. So there it is. I've said it. I've said it. This is going out into the world. Please don't hunt me down and tell me what's uh, proper. But uh, anyways, Tim, what have Kaiju been up to as you sit in your you know, absolutely fantastic showcase of figures all around you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can only see part of it. Um uh, well, I guess the things I've watched recently, I've been I picked up the first two and now pre-ordered the third of the uh, Raiga Raigo trilogy. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit and, about those. Yeah. You know, well, you know, they're lo- they're low budget. They're they're you know nothing. That, no, you that don't look for anything quite a bit. spectacular. That uh, you think of, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know. I mean, the suit act, suit acting, is, suits are, are admirable. They're, you know, a lot of kind of a little bit cheesy CGI special effects in there. But, yeah, they're fun. They're enjoyable. I had a good time. Um, you know, they're fairly light, especially the second one's very much, uh, much more of a comedy. Um, a little more of a send up. But uh, the first one's a little more serious. Um, but, you know, they're fun. Do you think it was deliberate that the second one was made a little lighter? Well, the second one came out about the same time as like Gahara was coming out and um, the uh, um, Guila Strikes Back uh, G8 Summit uh, thing. So I think a lot of the less, a little bit of a send up, a little bit of parody was a little more uh, in vogue at that point in time. So there's a lot of that going on. I've always wanted to see those. Um, I know that they've just recently been released um, on Blu-ray, DVD, and oddly enough, and I have to give kudos, VHS. VHS. That's great. But um, yes. yeah, I'm looking to snap those up, particularly the first one. I always thought that was a rather interesting story. I won't spoil it for our listeners, but mm-hmm. basically a World War II battleship, the biggest one in the Japanese fleet, as I like to believe. Um, they make the mistake of firing on a younger kaiju, am I right? And Mm -hmm. the parent is not so impressed with that course of action. So, um, anyways, uh, kaiju-human diplomatic relations um, fall apart, and the movie progresses, as it were. But I always thought that was a really interesting take because I really don't – I mean, every kaiju film that I've seen up until this point is a product of its time, not a period piece. So that film was made as a period piece because it goes back to World War II. And Mm -hmm. 
I, I just think that that's a really novel direction to take because every monster film, every you know, like large scale daikaiju film, it always seems to take place in the modern era whenever anyone else has always tried to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. With the exception. Either of you, Sue? A Daimonjin. Do we count him, though, or is he a golem? I don't know. <laughs> well, um, Kong Skull Island, I suppose, is the yeah. One that oh, comes yeah, to mind. The, the, yeah, the glaring elephant. Yes. The room. How could I forget that? Yeah, but um, yeah, that that is a good shout. That is a good shout, and I think that was part of its charm. Yeah, but but typically, yeah. yeah. So that was good. Oh, that's interesting. I've always wondered though how how does a battleship stand up against a giant sea creature? Because in the modern films, they tend to just kind of walk through them. So it'd be interesting to know. How they hold their own. It's mostly them trying to get past it and get home. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, another, that's another interesting direction to take. <laughs> trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, so surviving sounds better no, so, than yeah, trying to take yes. it on. Yes. I'm, I'm going to give yes. a shout out to... I'm, I'm going to give a small shout out to another film that I've seen that involves a battleship and science fiction. So the film Battleship. That, Don't say Battleship. Yeah, yeah, Battleship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, whilst I do not like that film, when they actually take uh, the American Battleship and go after the Big Mothership, just that scene where they take it, I mean, like when they're just doing their thing, firing on it back and forth, that part of the movie, like that five to ten minute period of the film, I liked that. Could have done without the whole rest of the movie. But that that ten minute uh, that ten minutes you can see it on YouTube. It's great. It's good stuff. <laughs> oh, it was a it was it was fun. Yeah, for you know a film that took a Hasbro game with nothing, and then they went to that. I yeah, mean, exactly, I suppose yeah. I can't be overly <laughs> critical, but you know, there we go. We're talking about battleships. Oh, a thin a premise that thin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So, Tim, you are a special guest tonight. Yes. Run us through what it is that you currently do. What is your connection to the kaiju fandom? Because you've got a good one. I'm an agent for roughly 20 different Japanese stars and one American star. Um, they're all in the kaiju genre, and I represent them and try to get them into conventions really all over the world, but mostly in America. There we go. So fun times. Wow. So, so pre-podcast yeah. recording, Tim was regaling me with some of his great stories Um but we're going to put a pause on that because now that you said a host of Japanese actors and one American, you've got my curiosity. Who's the one American? Peggy Neal. Who I've seen in what film? Oh, okay. Um, she's from X Matter Space and Terror Beneath the Sea are her two Japanese films. Ah, cool. Fun times. Right. So um, take us through your uh, – your introduction to the fandom, and um, how did you become a Daikaiju fan? Well, um, its initial uh, exposure would mostly be through my mother. These poor parents—they never know what's going to. Ha- they never know like the ultimate result of this, do they? She liked the cheesiness of the of them, so you know, like Gamma was a favorite of ours. Um, and basically, she, my two brothers and I would sit down and we would do MST 3000, not nearly as well as they did, but long before they did, <laughs> um, you know, and just have fun with, with the cheesiness of the films. Um, eventually, I, I felt like I outgrew that um, and walked away from the, the genre for a while. And uh, then... Uh, in an unpleasant aspect of my life. Just before I turned 30, I became divorced, unemployed, and had a choice of uh, living, moving in with my parents or living in a cardboard box in an alley somewhere. So I moved in with my parents, and uh, I went to a comic book store because I was collecting comics at that time still. And he had, uh, this was the early 1990s, uh, he had um, Bandai model kits and the figures and all the stuff that was really, you know, just coming out at the time. And I was looking at it and for like seven ninety nine, there was a Ultraman model. And I kind of felt like my childhood was the safest place to be at that point. In time. <laughs> so I bought that. I bought that and I just kept going back and I bought every model and built every model until I ran out of models. Then I started buying toys and now I have a room at critical mass, you know, <laughs> 
I will say though, um, I had uh, I had the host of Godzilla films when I was younger, and my brother uh, he gravitated towards Gamera. And whilst I can't say that they were my favorites, I mean like Gamera versus Giron. I mean like where else in you know kaiju fandom are you going to get brain eating space babes? And not just any brains; they have mm-hmm. to go for children's brains. You know, like great mm-hmm. stuff. It's like veal. Great. Oh yeah, delicious <laughs> stuff. Hannibal Lecter will tell you you've been missing out. But um, no, it's just like I, I do see where your mother's coming from. It's just they were so nonsensical. They were safe, weren't they? Uh, there's there's a certain magic about that. So the early '90s is when you came into it. So, um. I think we were all kaiju fans in the early 90s, it's safe to say. Um, I remember that time period fondly because I had the uh, Kenner Jurassic Park toys. Those were fantastic. We had the Trendmasters Godzilla toys, not the Godzilla 1998 toys, but the proper uh, Japanese version of Godzilla, mm-hmm. Mothra, Rodan, all that. And I thought I was like in heaven because – where were these toys when I was younger and I was just at the right age where they were still, you know, like relevant, you know, like to be played with and everything. And I think the early nineties was a great time period for it. That, and again, pre interview, uh, you mentioned G fan and, you know, like the rise of the internet and like how everybody was just starting to connect in this fandom at this time period, Mm -hmm. which was really fun to watch that happen. Um, yeah. You'll probably remember uh Barry's Temple of Godzilla. You'll probably yes, remember yes. Monster Zero. Um mm-hmm. it's just it's really fun to like harken back to that era where people would get scans and not you know, it's just really funny because nowadays the image is just crystal clear when you scan something. But back then, like I remember going on Toho Kingdom and when there was like a magazine scan and it's just like, we're waiting for clearer scans at this time. But what we think is going on, it's just what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Oh, I, I had, I had a camcorder bootleg copy of Godzilla versus Mothra in the nineties. Well done. You've admitted, you've admitted to film piracy. Now there's no going back. Yeah. It's not a victim. Now, now I'm legit. Yeah, now I'm legit. I will. I will oh, well, I bought. I've bought bought those the really legitimate copies over and over again. So I I feel like I've paid my penance. There we go. So I, I will I will admit to my early '90s um, or just '90s. We'll just call it '90s um, infamy. So I got a VHS tape of uh, Gigantus the Fire Monster because mm-hmm. you just couldn't find it, could you? Like that 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 yeah. was the one no one had. So what I did is uh, I went on eBay. This is young Joe going on eBay and the guy, you know, like totally legit version of Gigantus, the fire monster that, you know, you have, and it's just like $9. I would have paid 20 for that. It gets there. And I'm like, Oh, this, it gets home. It's like, Oh, this might, be a pirated copy. I'm thinking to myself, I wonder when the FBI is going to come and get me. But, um, <laughs> you know, still, they, they, they never came. Thank goodness. Um, I have no. since bought the DVD and the Blu-ray of that film. So calm down, Toho Legal. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, uh, it, it was like a fun experience. Like I just remember, like you just had to go everywhere for these. And you know, I'm, I think I'm right in still saying that Japan doesn't have eBay they have like Yahoo Japan and like similar things. Yahoo Japan, Japan, yes. But they don't have eBay. So again, when you were shopping in the 90s or, you know, like the early noughties and it's like you're looking for this stuff, where do you go? And it's really funny because Facebook, I feel, has like helped out a ton with that. So with Facebook, mm-hmm. like you get people that are in the know. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So what you, what do you want? What does it want? Like, well, I really like like detailed figures. It doesn't need to be an action figure or anything, but like, I really like putting together bottles, but I'm tired of paint fumes or, you know, people that live in my house are tired of them. What do I go to? And someone's just like, oh, should give X plus a go. What is this? It's like, oh, well, they're vinyl models and they come pre-painted. I'm thinking vinyl. 
and, you know, as a resin kit model builder, you're like, I know. Ugh. But then you look at it and they look beautiful. But mm-hmm. like the resin kit model itself comes unpainted and everything. Like you pay like $200 for that. And you're thinking, right, well, X plus, I mean, I, I get that for like 150 to 180 US and, you know, unpainted thing. But it's just, I remember it, it really was like a fun time because we were all detectives in our own way. Yes. So, again, so you've got that. So, what you, you've died back in, sorry to like go on a derailing there, but you, you've obviously struck a nerve in my <laughs> mind. But um, you, you got the Ultraman figures um, and you just kept going back to your local comic book shop, which, again, this is the plug yeah. right here. Always go, fans of this podcast, to your local comic book shop because those guys are passionate. They will talk to you about it. And if you're buying, if you're buying something, you aren't supporting Amazon per se. You're supporting someone who owns a shop who's local to your area, who's a fan, who's trying to connect with other fans. So by all means, go to them for that reason. But the other reason is, like I just said, there are people within fandoms that are in the know. They can direct you to products or things you might like. So go to a local comic book shop, if for no other reason, because of that. But anyways, you went to your local comic book shop. You got hopelessly addicted. What was the next step from there? Mm -hmm. Well, I can actually remember getting – I was – again, before before the internet, before eBay, before anything, um, there was a a newspaper called the uh, um, Toy Shop which was just nothing but toy dealers. And that's how I found Japanese toy dealers beyond this comic shop. And yeah, there was a time when toy Japanese toy dealers were on speed dial on my phone. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, then eBay, then, then eBay came about and, and the, and the internet and everything opened up from there. But I had bought a uh, King Caesar and another figure from a, Toy dealer out of that magazine. Where did you get a King Caesar at that day, that day and age? Like, what type of King Caesar was it? It was Bandai. It was brand new. Like I said, in the early nineties, all of this stuff was just coming out. Yeah. So I literally bought all of these Bandais as they came out. Um, but uh, he he's long gone. But he apparently gave my name to JD Lee's, and I get uh-huh. this. Very apologetic letter from JD saying, "Yeah, I'm sorry to intrude. I've just started this fanzine. You know, I, I I was told you might be interested in it. You know, so I I sent my I think it was like maybe three dollars to get issue number three, and promptly bought issue two and one and two as soon as I got that. And at that stage, it's it's literally two pages front and back stapled together and you know run off on a on a photocopier. Oh, but that's uh, brilliant, dude. That is brilliant. I mean, how else, how would you prefer it to start? That's beautiful. So, you know, got that. And then JD, basic, you know, before that, we all thought we were the only nerds on the planet that liked <laughs> this stuff. And, uh, you know, JD basically introduced us to a bunch of people who we, who had like interests. In. And like I said, then eventually they decided to have a convention and uh, I didn't get to go until 97. And then I didn't actually go back until 2009. Yeah, 2009. Um, but from 2009 on, I've been going. I'm, I'm, and now I'm staff there. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that's just become it's <laughs> part of my life. Think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I got deeper and deeper in. <laughs> Uh, it's funny how it sucks you in like you always the way i i feel that it happens for most people is you have kind of a warm fuzzy nostalgia feeling for this and you think you've grown out of it but you know like you appreciate you like whenever it pops up like oh yeah that's nice but then be it be a chance encounter a film that comes out again or what have you but there's just one thing that you know like you get again and then suddenly it's just wow and then it just sucks you right back in so for myself um you mentioned bandai before our listeners will not see this but i am holding up to the camera a bandai 
Titanosaurus, the original Titanosaurus. Oh, it's a beauty. So this right now, I don't even want to know what it's worth. It doesn't matter to me what it's worth because it's never getting. I'm never getting rid of this. But um, when I was growing up, my favorite film was Terror of Mechagodzilla, and you could get Godzilla stuff. The Trendmasters folks, they released all of the Godzilla stuff. Every single Godzilla villain, even Baragon, for whatever reason, got an action figure. You know who didn't get an action figure? Titanosaurus. So again, young Joe went on to eBay the second that he learned on Monster Zero that there was a Bandai Titanosaurus. And like I was just scanning. It was just scanning. And then one day it came up and I had my first bidding war that I can remember and it went up to $30 and I got it and I was so chuffed. And my mom was looking at, you know, my then like bank statement because I was, she's like, what did you spend $30 on? And then I show her so proudly this figure, which is like, yay tall. And she's like, you spent $30 on that thing. You don't understand. It's incredible. But um, I wasn't an appropriate age to be living in my mother's basement, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> reached the age of 18 or anything. But um, it was it was still just like a big moment in my life. And from that point on, you know, like I, I just started collecting stuff. And then it, uh, it petered out quite quickly because I got the Imperial Godzilla. I had the Imperial Godzilla from my childhood. I uh, had gotten a few of the Treadmasters um, toys that I wanted, and then I discovered resin kits. And resin kits were one of those things where you could save up once a year, buy a good one, and then do it. So that petered out. That kind of stopped like even the kit building once I got married. And then X Plus started coming out with the models, like I explained earlier, and they were amazing because it was all the quality that I wanted but none of the paint fumes that my wife didn't. So that was really good. But that, that proper sucked me in the, I blame X plus for it because when I uh, moved over to the United Kingdom, I immediately was like, Oh, the United Kingdom doesn't have this diamond. Strip- yeah. Welcome to my world. Ah, uh, <laughs> shut up. Paul. We take good care of you. I, well, you're, you're talking free internet and, and yeah. free. Okay. Okay. Paul hasn't spoken yet for all of our listeners. <laughs> I had channel. We had obviously just the, the the four basic channels on on British TV. If we didn't have Sky, and there was one channel, Channel Four, that would do a creature feature for about I think it ran it for about six or seven weeks, and so every week there would be a different Godzilla film. And prior to that, the only films I would have seen was things like um, Clash of the Titans, um, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, etc. So. Japanese films weren't something that would be ever in a blockbuster store near us. There was never any Godzilla toys. It was only through my parents saying, oh, look, there's a monster movie. Do you want to watch it? That I managed to find out about any of it. And yeah, so pre-internet, I I couldn't get anything. I think it was everything taped off the TV. So feel sorry for me, Joe, because I literally had had no gateway to this, and I had no local comic book store. Um, we did have a Forbidden Planet, which in the mid nineties started <laughs> to sell a few manga releases, and it was only when I found oh, was it Chibi Chibi Goji toys on the internet in the late nineties yeah, yeah. that was when I was able to get Linda. a Godzilla yeah. model. That's so. Um, Linda there was was like my first person who could sell me Godzilla stuff, so thank you to her. But yeah, it was it was tough being a Brit, okay. Oh yeah. I can ima- I can only imagine. Um but you never lived in like the sticks of Kansas that wouldn't get products for even regular things. So there. I've got that one up on you. <laughs> At least here you can drive somewhere that has a proper like civilized community. But um Yeah, I had people. Yeah, you had people. <laughs> but um I still like just and going back to G Fest it is kind of a mecca for merch in the United States because yes. when you go like the first time, like nowadays it's been, it's become a thing and not that you've sold out or anything, not that it's gone corporate or whatnot, but it's just, it's just a thing. It's like, you should go if you can. But when you go there as a fan and 
you know, in this genre of films, you, you tend to feel a bit isolated now with, you know, like the recent legendary pictures, maybe not so much, but when you go as a fan and you see that dealer's room for the first time, you're suddenly like, I did not bring enough money. I did not bring it no. up. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that. <laughs> my wife, my wife was so lovely. Um, she got me tickets to go see G Fest, and um, she said, "I'll give you a hundred dollar budget." <laughs> That's about thirty seconds yeah. in the dealer's room. Yeah, I'm just thinking like <laughs> I'll be able to buy that vinyl sticker I've been wanting for the back of the car. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great time. And with that, we're going to take our first break. Hey there, I'm Batman, and I wanted to tell you about my friends at the Screen Heroes Podcast. They deliver sweet justice in the form of discussing movies, television, and me. They love my movies, every single one of them. Yes, even that one. Sometimes they even have me on as a guest, which is thrilling. You can find them at twitch.tv slash Heroes Podcasts, live on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Gotham Time. If you can't tune in live, the new shows go up on places like Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Gotham Radio, and Demoscura Live. Now, back to your regularly scheduled Batcast. Average weight loss 15.4 pounds in the first two months. For guarantee, cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call or see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat-burning mode. Text BODY to 323232. 232 right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right, 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text BODY to 323232 right now. There's even a money-back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem, and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text BODY to 323232. That's B-O-D-Y to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. At Discount Tire, you can shop online and get the same trusted advice you get from the stores. Then just book a time that's convenient for you. When you get to the store, you can stay safe with a new touchless experience. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Hello and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. I'm Paul here with Joe and Tim. We've just been discussing... Uh, well, my poor childhood, and also you know, how Joe and Tim's had had a slightly, um, a slightly less traumatic childhood of trying to get hold of kaiju merchandise. Um, Tim, you are the man who knows some famous uh, Japanese stars. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share about them, or any um, tidbits you can you can give us? Um, well, like I said, uh, we're just discussing hot stuff, and uh, you know. When you, you guys approached me, it's, it's, okay, you've got my two of my favorite things, curry and kaiju. Sweet! <laughs> An American that knows what curry is. Whoa! Oh. It's, it's, it, I, I, I went to Japan, uh, G Tour 2011, and, uh, we went to a baseball game, and the baseball game had a buffet, and, um, they had shrimp curry, and it was my first experience with Japanese curry. Or curry of any kind, and um, they set up before the baseball game, and I ate that, and my mouth burned into about the third inning. Good stuff. <laughs> and I was like, "This is the this is the greatest stuff on the planet." You know, curry's curry's about nosing out pizza for my favorite food. Uh, so, and I can actually pull off curry with some of the stuff I can get here around here. So, you know. But uh, on the curry note, uh, when I went back to Japan a couple years ago, um, I was basically babysat by uh, Tetsuya Takarada and his, his wife, Maki, Akira's son and daughter-in-law. And they knew that I loved Japanese curry, so so they were taking me around for Japanese curry. But they like Indian curry. Which is good. 
better than Japanese curry. Very good. So one night they took me to an Indian restaurant and I had, I just, we just said, what's the hottest thing you have? And they said this and I said, okay, bring me that. Did you find out what um, it was? Did Did you find out what it was? I have no idea what it was, but it was very, very hot. Some it was some of, uh-huh. next to Thai food. Next to Thai food is probably some of the hottest stuff I've ever had. Um, but um, yeah, it was my body was not happy with that at all. That's <laughs> just staying in the curry the next day. <laughs> you haven't done curry right if you aren't feeling a little mm, the next morning. <laughs> so. For our American listeners who might not know what a curry is, because I'm from the American Midwest and you don't necessarily get Indian curry there. So um, what I can liken Indian food to the UK is what Mexican food would be in the United States. We have Indian restaurants dotted throughout the United Kingdom. It's just a local thing. You can find one. So curry... um, what you have is generally a marsala. So marsala is, it's kind of like the word for salsa. It's just sauce. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a yogurty, tomatoey, paprika. It has paprika in it. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of good stuff. But um, what most folks, uh, what they start out with is a korma or a tikka. And it's either chicken or lamb. And it's really, it's really good. It's served with non-bread. Um, non-bread's kind of its own thing it's fluffy it's delicious you dip it in the marsala sauce when you're going through it it's a good time and of course you have to have it with the beverage drink responsibly children anyways um so there are varying levels of spice so korma and tikka are like entry levels they're quite plain by tim and joe standards but for a lot of other people they're just perfectly fine they're good if you have an important meeting the next mor- morning, um, you know, don't necessarily go for something spicier if it's a curry. But um, you get up to other levels, which are chalfrezi, madras, vindaloo, and fowl. So a vindaloo is spicy, spicy. Um, that will that will you know raise an eyebrow for most people. However, there is usually a secret dish. That the Indian restaurant makes you ask for. It is not on the menu. They don't just put spicy next to it. It is not on the menu and you have to ask for it. It is called a fall. That's a PH uh, word there. But anyways, a fall, it's basically where the waiter goes back into the kitchen and says to the chef, we got a dumb one. Go ahead and play. So <laughs> they'll throw in as much spice as you can. And that's the level dear listeners that your host Joe generally goes for when he goes out to eat the curry. So Tim, if you like spicy, my guess is that you're kind of like a Vindaloo fall guy, right? Yeah. So it, it, if, if I can tell you exactly where the food is in my body at this, after eating it, as it goes through me, <laughs> then it's spicy. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I had a similar experience with a local Thai place. I had to go in multiple times and tell them, you know, I, I, I want I want you to hurt me, melt my face, you know, you know, hurt me, hurt me. And finally, at the third or fourth time I went in there, I was going through that spiel and the waiter said, you want it suicidal? And I said, that's it. Suicidal. Bring me suicidal. <laughs> and she brought it out and she said, well, the chef said, and I usually act, uh, ask for extra chili sauce on the side. Because I always wanted to spice it up because it was never spicy enough. Mm-hmm. And the, the chef said, she said, chef said, don't, don't add anything. Taste it first. So I did. And I, I maybe only added half the cup of chili sauce and so the whole thing. And the chef came out and said, uh, well, how was it? And I said, well, you know, it's pretty good. I only had to add half. And he goes, okay, from now on, c- when you come in, let me know. And I'll, I'll, I'll cook you real authentic Thai food <laughs> that, you know, we won't give to the normal people in the restaurant. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my experience <laughs> having to go through the process of, yes, even though I'm Caucasian, I can handle your food. So I'll tell a war story now. So um, Joe's day job requires him to go out and uh, I meet with people and uh, their team members. And more often than not, we'll get done with the show or an event or, you know, like some visit that we've done. 
and it's late in the day, so we'll go and find a place to eat. And the thing is, is like, like I said before, Indian food is like, if you live in the United States, it's like finding a Mexican restaurant. Like you just kind of know what's going to be on the menu. It's pretty safe. It's pretty, it's a comfortable feeling going to one of those restaurants. So it's like 10 PM and I have two really good friends with me and we're driving around and, um, we just can't find anything open. But then we see it. It's like, oh, it's an Indian restaurant open till 11. This is great. Let's stroll in at 10, 15. They're going to be happy to see us. So we come in and the place is pretty empty, but we're hungry. We're tired and we really don't care at this point. We just need food. So the two guys that I'm with, they know my party trick. They know that I'm just not affected. Like I don't have taste buds on my tongue. It's just one of those things. So the guy sitting next to me, he's a big lad. He's a rugby player, and he's got the gift of gab. He's a loud, boisterous, great fella to have with you. He's just life of the party. The other fellow across from us, he's he's a little bit more reserved, but he's playfully reserved, and he like he's like that quiet guy that always does the best pranks, you know. So between the two of them, they've they've got this waiter going. They're like, no, you're not going to be able to make it hot enough. Just 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 go for it. This is the thing he does. Just go for it. And they've really amped it up. So comes out and it's a foul. And it's just what I wanted. And I think it's delicious. And I dip my naan in it and I'm eating it and everything. And the fellow sitting next to me, big lad, takes a wee dip of it. <sighs> you know, slides down some of his beverage. Fella across from me, he's he's a competitive fella. And uh, he takes a dab of it and he's a little bit more reserved. Oh, Joe, that's disgusting. I don't know how you eat that stuff. But anyways, the waiter comes back out. It's like, do you like it? <laughs> Are you dying yet? Of course I'm not because, you know, through years of training, I have mastered this art. You build up a resistance. Yeah. But anyways, he comes out. He's just like, oh, yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> the, the guy that's sitting next to me, she's like, yeah, he's doing fine. Doing great. <laughs> Told you. Anyways, um, he comes back out like, few minutes later and he's got some chilies in a little bowl and apparently now i'm being dared like there's no extra charge it's just like okay <laughs> let's all right you wise guy eat these chilies so i eat one of the chilies and then i take one of the chilies and i dip it in the sauce and i eat that and like the waiter kind of had like this really confused like empty horrified expression on his face and he goes back in the kitchen again and i think the chef comes out because he was wearing a white apron Anyways, the chef comes out. He's got this paste. Apparently, as I'm told by the two guys that were with me, this paste is what makes the fall hot. So anyways, he takes a teaspoon of this paste out of like this little jar, puts it on the plate, points at it. So I take the whole thing of paste with my spoon and just put it in my mouth. Now, at this point, I was legitimately scared, but I was I was committed to the show at this point, so I had to do it. And in truth, it wasn't really that bad. But I was, but you know, like it was still like if I'd cough, you know, like if I'd opened my mouth, probably would have coughed. But you know, I just gave him the thumbs up. Hmm, great stuff. Hmm, and, you know, just you know, and that. And then you know, like I got slaps in the back from both of those guys in the car right home. It's like, oh, that was the funniest thing we've ever seen. You got the chef out. I can't believe he came out. <laughs> But from then on, I always had to have the hottest thing in the menu whenever there was a group of people because the story just keeps getting told over and over and over again. But I, I love it, you know, hot stuff. And we have finally really delved into curry on Kaiju Curry House. I'm really happy that we, we really we've have, taken yeah. this real proper step and people know why we call it Kaiju Curry House. It's honestly like we thought about calling it Kaiju Pub, but then we thought – what I mean, not to like offend anybody here who might be a bit, you know, like touchy on this feeling, but like honestly, like what is like the most quintessentially British thing that you're gonna go for, like late at night when you want to, <laughs> you're gonna go for curry and a beer, at least probably if you're in our fandom. So yeah, that's where that name came from. Paul, do you have any do you have any great curry horror stories or uh, delights? <laughs> Um, well, you might remember that we we went for a curry, didn't we? After the, our first kaiju con, that we did, yeah, yeah, just yeah, it, was, it seems tradition now. And there was myself and Samuel, who both I think we both had we were both wimps because I normally have a korma, 
because I like it. I just go for the taste. I like it mild. Um, occasionally, I might have a tikka, and I think because you were picking yourself up as the, the, you know the man, I think I went for the, the strongest I could actually handle, which was the gel phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as much as I can stomach. <laughs> so yeah, I as much as I, I love curry, I like I do it for the taste, not for the spice. It would not be worth sleeping. We're, I'm going to give a shout out now. You know, you know, in the same room as me. I'm going to give a shout out now. So the place that we went to after our first KaijuCon was Thespians in Stratford upon Avon, and it's a really great restaurant. If you're in that area, definitely go. It's a smaller place, but it's really quite lovely, and the food that they do there is spot on. But we're going to get back to kaiju now. <laughs> so Tim, <laughs> so you you get you you've made it out that you've been babysat now you know, for your spicy food addiction when you go to Japan by these folks. Was there any time was there any ever a point where they like started like daring people like, you know, this this uh this fellow, this gringo, you know, he he can uh he can take it. What you got? Have they ever done that to you? Well I I started my reputation with the Japanese with wasabi uh, <laughs> because I eat wasabi straight. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> to me, if I have if if I have like a sinus infection, wasabi is my go-to cold medicine because it'll it's napalm for the sinuses. It'll kill anything in there. So, you know, so we were we were having a meal before the before one of the conventions, and they all had sushi, and so they were all done, and you know they were getting ready to clear their plates, and I said, wait a second, oh, you know, you still have some wasabi left? May I have that? And they said yes, and I took it and stuffed it in my mouth, and they all looked at me horrified. And I said, no, I love this stuff. And then the Japanese part of the partnership went back and got me about, you know, about a good thumb, thumb size chunk of wasabi. And I sat there and ate it. And again, they all looked at me like I was a lunatic, you know. So I kind of became a crazy American who eats spicy food. So, yeah, I, yeah, they, uh, like, you know, uh, Akira Takarada, you know, he grew up in, um, uh, in uh, Japan, Japanese occupied China, and he speaks fluent Chinese, so he likes to go to Chinese restaurants and, like, you know, I'll pick the peppers out of the Szechuan and eat the peppers straight, you know. And so, yeah, they it it became, you know, it's, it's very much a, a tradition to give each other small gifts when we when we oh, yeah. get together. So I, I I constantly get spicy this and spicy that, so. Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> there, I, I got to tell this one other story. My friend Anthony, he has uh, his his taste of sense and smell. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have it. So his parlor trick is like, oh, I love spicy food. No, you don't, Tony. You just can eat spicy food. And you think it's funny when people just don't when you don't give anybody a reaction. But Tony had never had wasabi before. So he goes out with us on a lads university, you know, night and we're at the Chinese and there's just like a big thing of wasabi there. And he goes, what's that? And I go, oh, that's spicy, Tony. You know, like agging him on. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $5 if you take that whole teaspoon and put it in your mouth. Because I know full well <laughs> if you breathe in and out your nose, spicy or not, wasabi's going to get you. Yep. So Tony took <laughs> an entire teaspoon, pretty decent wasabi, might I add, plopped it in his mouth and just started talking to us. But it was about like five seconds in, he realized that he had made that oh so crucial mistake of trusting <laughs> me. So um anyways like Oh what's that? <laughs> oh. But it was it was great because wasabi, you know, it was, it was funny. Funny, funny times. Tim, what other great stories have you got with your with your legendary friends and your travels with G Fest and Kaiju? Uh, well, one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do was uh, uh, Ben Freya, who was the Ultraman suit actor in the original Ultraman series, yeah. and a, and Amagi in Ultra Seven. Um, he is a gigantic um, James Dean fan. And from the very first convention that he came to in America, he's always like, I want, I want to go to J James Dean's grave. And, and so several years later, um, we were in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, 
which is probably the closest we're going to be to, what is it, Evans, Evanston, Indiana. Um, and um, so I got assigned the job to take him to James Dean's grave and such. And um, honestly, it's, it would have been a quicker trip from my house to, to this place. <laughs> it was like two and a half, two and a half hours up north. Um, but um, we took him up there and, you know, he saw the grave and then we kind of stopped by the house where he grew up and he took pictures, you know, standing in front of the house. And uh, they have, there's nothing there. There's not a Walmart. There's not a McDonald's. There's literally nothing there but James Dean <laughs> and corn. don't corn. appreciate the barren wasteland. It can be like the middle of the United States. There's just no way to describe like driving for four hours and seeing nothing. <laughs> okay, I can't imagine that. It's just, yeah, it sounds strange. No, my, my, my wife teaches high school and it, the high school is surrounded by either corn or soybean, depending on the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I kind of miss that now. <laughs> just don't get it over here. <laughs> But, um, so I took him up and then we went there. There's this little, uh, um, boutique type thing, which they have a lot of memorabilia and a little shop. So we took him there and, um, you know, we're chatting to the guy, to the people who run the shop and it's, you know, almost like all volunteer people. And they, you know, everybody in the town knows everybody. So everybody has some connection to the, to the James Dean or the family. And, um, you know, I, I started chatting with them and tell, explaining who they were and what, you know. And they know Ultraman. So they're all excited they have Ultraman in the store. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so they're taking pictures with him and all that. And uh, they said to me, well, have you been down to the house? And I said, well, yeah, we, you know, we stood in front of the house and took pictures. But, you know, we're not going to, you know, it's America. We're not going to get shot <laughs> for trespassing. Yeah, that's a thing. And he's like, oh, well. He's like, well, so-and-so's down there right now, you know, here, I'll, I'll hop in the Jeep, you follow me down. So we follow him down, and, you know, there's this, there's like three different barns there, because it's a functioning farm still, and he takes us into this one place, and it's full of of James Dean memorabilia, and Priya gets to sit in the car that James Dean drove in high school, he gets to sit on the uh, the tractor that's in the, that was in the movie Giant, and, you know, and he's in heaven, you know, and he thinks this is the best it's ever going to get, you know. I, you know. and so we get ready to there, we get ready to leave, and you know, they're all the Japanese are all ready to go, and the guys like, well, wait, you know, there's two other barns, and so <laughs> we <laughs> we go in this other barn, and uh, in in the foundation of the barn is James Dean's footprint and handprint when he was like 14 years old. And so, you know, Freya gets to put his hand in James Dean's handprint. And you know, again, we're ready to go. And he's like, well, wait, there's one more place. And, you know, we go into another barn and, you know, there's there's the, the basketball hoop that James Dean used to shoot basketball after after high school. And um, the, the, long of the long and the short of it is he told the uh, Japanese uh, half of this agency that he could now die a happy man. So I always say that part of my job at doing these conventions is to get uh, give give people a chance to meet their heroes but i actually got to take my hero and let him meet his hero that's really cool and that was that that that's that that's one of the highlights for me in, in what all the stuff that i've done it is one of those things you know you you, you strike an interesting chord there because these guys are obviously all people too. Like you know, they're, they're more than just actors. They are functioning human beings. Yes. They are people. They have experiences, and they would obviously have heroes as well. They would have their own little nerdy things, or you know, like their passions that they go after as well. And I just think it's really funny that <laughs> you got into Kentucky and James Dean. <laughs> so, oh man. So one of one of one of the Ultraman poses is is uh, is. Patterned after one of the James, one of the fights that James Dean gets into in his movies. It's it's he literally po posed the exact same way because you know he's such a fan. That's awesome. And with uh -huh. that, we're going to take our second break. 
And we are back with Kaiju Curry House. Ready for segment three. Thank you very much, Tim. <laughs> All right. So segment three of this podcast. Um, so Tim is obviously uh, very interwoven with G-Fest, with uh, getting stars. And when we were taking this break, uh, we were discussing how conventions get started and how G-Fest got started and how our convention, KaijuCon, got started in the UK. But Tim, take us through what it was like. Like you were there in the early days of G-Fest in the United States. Like just give us a rundown of how that got going. Basically, like I said, back then, then before the internet, you know, people talked talked on the phone, ran up long distance bills, you know, before cell phones, and, uh, you know, mailed letters back and forth to each other through snail mail. And uh, they finally decided that, you know, hey, you know, it'd be nice to actually meet up in person. So around 50 people got together in 95. They decided, you know, since they were spread all over the place, you know, in Canada and East Coast and West Coast, that uh, Chicago was a nice central hub. So they all met in a hotel room at, at uh, in Chicago and had a small little get together and, you know, just kind of met each other face to face for the first time. And, you know, like I said, before before G-Fan, you know, we all thought we were the loners. We were the only people interested in that. And so, you know, this was a chance to meet other people who also didn't know each other existed up until then. And uh, now, 20 some years later, it's uh, usually in the three to four thousand people all getting together. That's one of the biggest yeah. fan cons I've ever heard wow. of. Wow. Yeah. Like, it really is. I, I can't think of one that, you know, it, it is just run by fans. It isn't like a proper corporation or anything that runs it, like Comic Con. Yeah. It's, it's just fans. And I think that it's really lovely that they've done that. Similarly, uh, when I came over here, um, I had just gotten back into this fandom and then I was cruelly yanked away from me when I came to these islands and, um, I was looking for people. And actually I met Alex and Paul very early on in this, uh, journey. So there was a little Facebook group on, uh, on Facebook and I just found it because I'm trying to meet people. I'm trying to make friends, you know, now that I'm a new uh, fellow on this island. And I was like, oh, great. That's a group. Oh, 10 members. Well, you know. <laughs> Hey ho! So Alex and I, um, we you know like we started you know, making noise on there, and then um, we started up our own group, and that grew, and uh, we met Paul, and then it was kind of funny because not long after we'd uh, we'd started up this group and we started like planning on like meetups and just like being friends and whatnot, like you say, um, Shin Godzilla was getting released by Manga UK in the United Kingdom. And we were all like, oh, man, this is great. You know, fantastic. And we actually got a shout out from Manga UK because we had been growing so much that and we totally used their Facebook page um, for Shin Godzilla as a stalking platform to find other kaiju fans. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that was how we found you, wasn't it, Paul? Was it? Yeah, I think I got a message from you, Joe, just yeah. saying. Hi, I've got a Godzilla group. Do you want to join? Yeah, you must have you stalked me somehow on Facebook. <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's kind of like how JD found you. You know, Tim. I mean, it's just like you use whatever means and mm -hmm. you're just supposed to like we're not some you know cloak and dagger you know association. But do you want to talk about old Japanese films with us, please? But um, <laughs> we got started there, and then we decided, all right, well, we've got enough people now. How about a proper meetup? And it was like, do we call it a con? Yeah, let's call it a con. Or wait, can we get other people to do a con? So we tried a couple of different like events, folks. That do like um, there was like a monster con, a horror con, there are comic cons, and they're like, hey guys, you know, like, you know, we aren't really experienced at this, you know, necessarily, but could you put one of these on? They're like, no, no, oh bummer. Fine, we'll do our own then. <laughs> it really is just like <laughs> it feels like a parallel uh, story, really, but it is great to just see like the amount of passion that folks bring to it. And like you said, like three to 4,000 people across the United States all getting together. It is a fun time. G fest. I will say it's, like, and then it feels like a family reunion every year because you're getting back together. It yeah. does. It does. And then like you go and talk with people and the folks that are there, it's like you're wearing a Ghidorah t-shirt. And when I was living in the States, like I'd, I'd wear that t-shirt all the time and people wouldn't say a thing, but at G Fest, someone comes over you, oh, dude, that's a rocking t-shirt. Where'd you get that one? Yeah. I want to take down the name of that site. Oh yeah. That looks like the, uh, mm -hmm. whatever, such and such a year version. I'm thinking like, this is great. 
this is really great. <laughs> but <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. That and like when you come down for breakfast in the morning at the Crown Plaza and like all the actors are there just like eating, you know, like their breakfast and you're around and like, that was my hero. Like one of the time. Isn't that amazing? It's just, it really is cool to just have those experiences. But, you know, like if you don't get it together and if you don't like go for it, it'll never happen. So fun times ahead, fun times ahead. Exactly. Um, I know, you know, Nakajima passing recently, a lot of fans have lamented that they didn't get to see him, but he was all over and there was plenty of chance to see him. You just need, you need to say, I need to suck this up and I need to go. It is a fun time. Yeah, it is. You know, and you know, not just G Fest, any convention that they appear at, because they do. I mean, I'm, End of the month, I have Akira Takarada in Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. So, you know, we are all over the United States. In fact, technically all over the world in, in October will be at uh, German KaijuCon. Uh, so we'll, we'll be in oh. on your continent. Now, or your, well, I guess you're not you're technically off continent. But, uh, it's a sensitive <laughs> issue broaching that topic right now. Right now, <laughs> yes, with Brexit, I know. Yeah, especially <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> there we go. You you have Brexit. Brexit. We have Trump. So yeah, we all have our our sensitive issue. There we go. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, so have you ever brought anyone to the UK? I thought you were going about to ask if have you no, brought Trump? No, no. I would love. I would love um, the Takaradas especially love going anywhere they haven't been and they've never been to the UK and they would love to come to the UK. But like I said, every a convention in the UK that I've approached has just shown no interest whatsoever in Japanese monsters. Oh, that's sad. And that's that's where that I say sad. we should change that, shouldn't we, fellas? We should change that. We should try and change it's that. It's like yeah. it's like we should do a con that focuses on this area. <laughs> I like your thinking, Chuck. Before I was an agent, I was an assistant for the there uh, for a previous agent, mm-hmm. and since I did the whole thing with. Getting Akira Takarada his his cameo in the two thousand four movie two thousand fourteen movie, um, I kind of became the guy who was the social media guy, um, and so I was good at organizing fans. So like, Anime Boston in in, in Boston, Massachusetts, is it obviously an anime convention, and they'd never had live action actors before, but uh, they were thinking about it. And um, basically, I organize fans to lambaste them <laughs> with requests, <laughs> and we we you know they got to the point where they said, "Okay, you're allowed one post, and you can comment on that post all you want, but stop, you know, stop spamming with us. everybody posting." <laughs> yes, so that you know, I said, "Okay, guys, we gotta we gotta play nice and do what they ask," and we did, and because of that, you know, they. Had Akira Takarada and Haru Nakajima for the you know as their first live action uh, guest, but it's a very That's a classy duo for your first go. I'm telling you what, yeah, it's a very Japanese culture oriented uh, convention, so they were very well received and did very very well. Um, but uh, but yeah, the fans you as fans if you organize you can make things happen. Um, the Biggest misconception that people have is that I choose wherever these people go. No, since most conventions are paying their way, they have to decide they want them and they have to invite them. And so, you know, because every time I'll post so-and-so is appearing at this convention, I'll get comments like, oh, bring him down to this area, bring him down to that area. Well, that's not my choice. (laughs) And the best way to, if you want people in your area, is to contact your local conventions and, and say, hey, there's a market for this. Convince them there's money in it, and that's the way you convince them to have these guests. There we go. Okay, so yeah, so folks, Joe, you need to hit up. Yeah, we we got to start. Yeah, we got to we got to start. We got to make a kaiju convention. We should do that. We should plan that. Yeah. But um, anyways, uh, we're gonna go ahead and end on that lovely note. But before we go, we're gonna have our segment called "If Nothing Else." So. Paul, if nothing else. Uh, if nothing else, I I am going to recommend people watch Triassic World, the <laughs> dinosaur version of Deep Blue Sea, because it is really good fun. I enjoyed it. 
I know it sounds stupid, but that's part of the charm. So, um, it's yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say, it's fun. What, what's wrong with a fun monster movie? There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the cheese. <laughs> there we go. So yeah. So that's all I've got. Um, Joe, if nothing else, if nothing else, I'm gonna say, um, yeah. Why not? Go ahead and bug us. Let us know who you'd like. We are throwing a uh, UK Kaiju Con. It's going to be at the Penta Hotel in Birmingham in August. Um, the tickets are on Eventbrite. But if you want people there, um, we've been scheduling screenings and we have been talking about a few guests. But if you let us know who you want, we'll try and make it happen. If not this one, the next one. So get in contact, folks. Yeah. Tim, if nothing else, good sir. Um, I'm going to plug plug for you guys because mine's going to be Howl Beyond the Fog. There we go. Which I I, uh-huh. I contributed to the Kickstarter, so I got a copy. Uh, watched it last weekend, and I enjoyed it very much. Very atmospheric, very Japanese, um, and amazing what he pulled off with the budget that he had. <laughs> it um, is incredible. We say that in the nicest possible way, too. An incredible yes. job for what his resources were. He. I mean, it really goes to show you if you planned it out properly, what you can achieve with special effects and a film. Sorry, I totally hijacked your 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 spiel there. But <laughs> yes, um, it, you're obviously going to be showing it, and I recommend everybody go see it. There we go. All right. Well, thank you very much for episode thirty-one, everybody. And uh, as always, keep it kaiju. Yee-haw! Kaiju Curryhouse is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and is produced by UK Kaiju. You can come follow us at UK Kaiju on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or find us at heroespodcast.com. Consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, and lots of them other great podcast findy thingies. Have a good one, folks. Tim, would you like to introduce us back? Uh, we are back go. with Kaiju Curry House. Right. Oh wait, we gotta wait. We gotta wait till you say go. Yeah, yes. I, was, I was just actually asking you if you were comfortable <laughs> yes. doing it. Yes, Sorry. sure. <laughs> but um, I got too excited. Oh, bless you. I love your enthusiasm. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now.